Hey, and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech, a podcast brought to you by MDDI. I'm Daphne Allen, editor of MDDI, and I'm pleased to launch this podcast with my fellow editors, managing editor Omar Ford and news editor Amanda Peterson. Say hello, team. Hello. Hello. We've each been writing about medical device issues for well over a decade, and now we're excited to chat about MedTech. In this series, we'll be sharing our perspectives as well as talking with the newsmakers and thought leaders in MedTech. Before we dive into these conversations with industry, we thought we'd share some of the trends we've been following and offer a few developments to watch in the coming months. To that end, um, I did want to ask you, you know, what some of the biggest medical device stories have been this year. And, you know, from there, you know, see where we are in MedTech today. Well, let me jump in and, and answer that first. And, and that's a great question, Daphne. Uh, but I think in, t- in answering this question, we kind of have to do a before and after the pandemic. Um, uh, uh, we have to take that type of approach uh, toward the question. So if we look at before the pandemic, uh, the biggest stories were artificial intelligence, anything AI related. We kept getting pitched that all the time. AI, 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 surgical robotics. Um, J&J was scheduled, Johnson & Johnson was scheduled to, uh, I believe, have a big uh, reveal um, uh, this year with their surgical robotics system. And, you know, all eyes were toward that. Then COVID-19 came, the pandemic struck, and lo and behold, we're not writing about AI solutions anymore. We're writing about IVDs, and we're writing about ventilators, and we're writing about PPE. Now, never in a million years did I think that those that 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 technology would, would have such importance, would, would dominate headlines in med tech. I'm not saying that they aren't important devices, but they weren't the sexy topics um, that we started out covering, such as drug eluting stents, liquid biopsy uh, test. So when we were writing about ventilators, I mean, even Fitbit got an EUA for a low cost ventilator. That was huge. And you saw a crossover from other um, from the automotive industry and other uh, industries coming to develop uh, these technologies. That was amazing. And that that changed the paradigm. So to answer your question more fully, I think you have to look at it as what was happening before COVID struck and what was happening uh, after and during. And I think the major stories uh, before were surgical robotics, um, artificial intelligence, AI. Um, Amanda, do you want to weigh in? I know I've been rambling a little bit and I can do that. You know, anybody who knows me knows that I just ramble sometimes. Sometimes it's cohesive, sometimes it's not. (laughs) But Oh, I hear you there. I'm I'm the queen of rambling. Um, I agree with everything you've said. Um, however, I would just add you you mentioned how AI um, kind of fell from the, the radar a little bit. Um, yes and no. I would agree with you to some extent, um, but AI is so integrated into so much of the telemedicine solutions and the telehealth or digital health, or there's so many different names for it. But um, I think that AI has become integrated with so many technologies that we don't always necessarily realize it unless we uh, take a real close look. Um, 
because it's just becoming second nature. I think anybody, any company that's working in the digital healthcare space, uh, if they're not already using AI, then they should be. So um, I think that AI is still super uh, critical and important. It's just not dominating the headlines in the same way that it was before. Thank you. Um, and you know, I, I would, I would just add that I think some trends that we saw that have been developing over time toward either home healthcare or um, you know patient managed care, um, anything that is supporting care outside traditional healthcare environments like hospitals. Um, we've we've really seen that trend deepen because of the pandemic as either COVID-19 patients are self-isolating and treating themselves at home um, or as just people in general have been staying home rather than going places in person for care. Um, and so we've seen a lot of those patient monitoring technologies be used at home. Um, and I think the telemedicine technologies have certainly gotten a bump, um, you know, with the executive order this year authorizing reimbursement for certain uses of telemedicine. I think all that is driving this alternate care environment. And it, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Um, you know, of course, there there may be some issues to revisit if people are not getting care in person when they should have been. Um, and if there are any procedures, I think people have said elective procedures have been on hold. Um, sometimes procedures, you know, even though they're called elective, maybe they're they're not just um, needed immediately, but, you know, they definitely are not, you know, um, by choice, right? Someone has to get treatment at some point, whether it's screening or treatment. So it'll be interesting to see how the healthcare community and the medical device industry that supports it, how it recovers as people start resuming some of that in-person care, um, in-person, um, you know, diagnostic treatments, um, screening, other in-person events. So, um, you know, I think there's definitely something to watch even as we speak today. Yeah, th this whole situation is fluid, it's dynamic. And one of the things that I want to uh, point out is that it's continuing this narrative that started uh, maybe a few years ago of patients um, being at the forefront of their own, uh, own health and perhaps uh, taking more ownership. And you're seeing that with telemedicine. You're seeing uh, that with with CGMs, with continuous glucose monitoring, you're seeing patients actually have more of a hand in it. And if anything, what COVID-19, what the pandemic ha has done, it's really sped things up uh, tremendously. You know, telemedicine, I, I can't remember who I was speaking with, so I don't want to I don't want to give out a name or name of a company, but I, I, I just want to say this isn't my original idea, but I'm quoting um, a CEO that I spoke with. And he was telling me that telemedicine 
was has been sped up now by five years because of the pandemic. We were always going to get to this place, but we're getting to it even sooner, right? Uh, even quicker because of uh, the need to isolate, because everything kind of shut down. I think going forward, and Daphne, you bring up a good point about elective surgeries or elective procedures. I think going forward, we're going to A, see more emphasis on telemedicine, and B, we're going to see elective procedures redefined. And by that, I mean there's going to be a, a, more, a more concrete definition of what fits the bill because some elective procedures, as you said, they're not really elective. You know, you, you, you have to have it. They're essential. And I think we're going to see more of a breakout now that this is more of a definition of, of what those will be uh, because of COVID-19. I think we'll see that in the coming year. So I, it'll be interesting to see where we are this time next year in 2021. I know everybody's excited and they want 2020 to be over. Still think we have some hurdles to cross, but I think it'll be really interesting to see where we are at with telemedicine and elective procedures in 2021. Okay, and and you know, Omar, you cued me up for my next question, and that is, you know, looking ahead, what should our audience be keeping their eyes on? Um, you know, for their own medical device developments, um, but just in healthcare in general. And, and Amanda, please weigh in as well. Well, I, I think we have to get past the election first and then the world can continue to revolve, can, can continue to go. I think once we get past uh, uh, November, we'll, we'll be OK. But um, um, ultimately, I think what we have to look forward to or what MedTech in the diagnostic industry has to kind of focus on in 2021 or, or have to look at is is we uh, we have to look at FDA. FDA has gone through a lot of changes. They've issued out, I don't know how many EUAs. They've kind of jump-started their approval process for the pharma side. But we need to look at we need to look at their timetable now. We need to see if this is a permanent change, if this was temporary. We need to see what the new and I, I'm saying I'm coining this phrase, the new FDA will look like. You know, I know Medtronic has the new Medtronic, but I'm just saying the new FDA. So we have to see what the FDA looks like coming out of the pandemic. And we have to see if there are any long lasting changes. I think there will be. I think we can't go back to where we were before. And I think the timetable is going to be sped up on a lot of these innovations because now there's a, a there's groundwork that has allowed um, devices and technologies to perhaps be approved a, a bit quicker. If you look at what's happening on the pharma side, you, you see how things can kind of move uh, faster than they than they could beforehand. If, if this was before covid, we'd be waiting on a vaccine for for I don't know, for 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 a couple of years. So you're seeing everything condensed. That's going to translate. I'm predicting, I don't know this for a fact, I'm predicting that this is going to kind of run over into med tech and, and diagnostics as well. How? That remains to be seen, but there'll be interesting topics of discussion for the industry going forward. 
Uh, Amanda, what are your thoughts? I've been talking for for a while. What are you, what do you think about all of this? Well, I've just been uh, enjoying uh, listening to you uh, kind of put my, I mean, a lot of uh, the thoughts that I have um, are exactly what you pointed out. Um, but I think that we're going to hear the, hear a lot about this at our upcoming bio uh, med device uh, digital express uh, event. I think that we're going to hear uh, speakers talk about uh, what companies can be doing um, to continue um, because the most devastating thing is if innovation slowed down um, during the pandemic, which was my fear early on in the pandemic. Um, however, companies have been really nimble and they've really shown a resilience and an ability to pivot very, very quickly. And it really has been amazing. I think that we're going to hear um, some of uh, the thought leaders at the event talk about um, ways to educate patients, ways that manufacturers can kind of re do some outreach to help support hospitals and, and physician offices who are trying to educate patients and reassure them that it is safe to return uh, to the healthcare setting for procedures that you might have been putting off because of the pandemic. And there's also um, going to be a big shift and it's really going to change the way that companies interact with their customer base. But I think there's going to be a big shift to ambulatory surgical centers, uh, procedures that uh, have typically been done uh, outpatient, but at a hospital OR, I think that more and more of those procedures, especially things like hip and knee replacements, are going to be uh, shifted to the ambulatory surgical centers. And that's going to create an environment where the hospitals can continue to focus on the high, the, they're, they're, they can prioritize better, they can focus on treating COVID if there's an outbreak in their area, or they can focus on treating the more urgent uh, patients, uh, patient emergency uh, surgeries and uh, trauma um, care and things like that. So I think it's really, I think you hit it on the head, Omar, when you said that we'll probably never go back. This is gonna be, you know, there's gonna be some things that are forever changed by COVID, but it won't all be bad. I think a lot of these changes probably needed to happen and maybe would have happened eventually. Um, but this has just been a catalyst to really spur that um, into happening. But I think companies, um, just this week, I uh, heard Zimmer Biomet talking about um, doing outreach uh, with their patient base um, to help um, help educate patients on um, on why they should come back and have those procedures if they've been putting them off um, because there are, you know, their outcomes will be worse the longer that they put put off put that off, especially for a hip replacement. Um, I think knee replacements are a little bit more deferable, but still, it's a quality of life issue. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. But I don't think that we're ever going to go back to the way things were um, in med tech and in and healthcare before. Yep, I, I definitely agree with both of you, um, and I and I do think it was actually really compelling um, that 
uh, Jeff Shuren of CDRH, who spoke during AdvoMed's uh, virtual MedTech conference a few weeks ago. Um, he, he pointed out that FDA has definitely learned three lessons you know, during the pandemic. And one of those is the importance of flexibility. And Omar, you mentioned, you know, the the number of EUAs that were, you know, that have been authorized this year and, I mean, are still being authorized, right? We're, we're still seeing, um, you know, news of uh, diagnostic tests being authorized. Yeah, it so, hasn't slowed down. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I think, you know, FDA, CDRH definitely responded in a flexible way um, to authorize some of these products, getting them to the market. Um, you know, you mentioned ventilators, um, also PPE and other products that, you know, were in need. And I, I think there's definitely got to be some lessons, you know, for FDA as well as industry in, in that quick response. and. You know, it has been incredible um, the the way the medtech industry has responded, um, its suppliers, um, as well as you mentioned also some of the companies that weren't in the medtech space before that have joined in to help in the response. So um, there's definitely a lot of lessons from this year, and it'll it will be interesting to see how that translates into you know the new medtech community in 2021 and beyond. Okay, I'd like to pause for a moment and tell our audience about Biomed Digital, our virtual event held November 4th and 5th. Attendees will be able to hear from over 50 Biomed experts discussing 3D printing, digital health, robotics and medtech, and much more. Attendees can also explore the digital show floor and visit 90 suppliers and then take advantage of the multiple networking events across the two days. Visit biomeddevicesanjose.com to learn more and to register. So, um, any final thoughts for our audience before we wrap up today? Yeah, Daphne. Actually, I, I had a thought just now when you were were talking um, about the lessons the FDA has learned that Jeff Sharon had sh shared during AdvoMed's conference. Um, and I think that we would be remiss not to acknowledge uh, that there's also been uh, lessons learned in, um, you know, we, we're seeing a global, a global movement against racial injustice and obviously not new issues. These are issues that have, have been, you know, um, it's unfortunately, uh, as long as our history, as long as our history as a country, we've had these problems. Um, but I think that 2020 has been a mark of that. Um, and healthcare and med tech in particular uh, are, are really standing up. They're taking a stand. And I've been really proud of the industry for the most part. In the past, anytime there was any topic that was uncomfortable to talk about, if it was political in any way, you would never hear a CEO of a public company address it at all, much less take a stand on one side or the other of the issue. However, that's not the case now. And there's, um, it's really important for more reasons than we have time to discuss, but 
Uh, one thing that makes it really relevant and important to medtech is the inequalities in healthcare, the way healthcare is delivered, the patients that are being served. There's so many underserved populations. And researchers have known this for years, probably since I first started covering uh, healthcare and med tech. Um, it was one of the things that I learned early on in my career that really shocked me. I was shocked when I would see reports that would say that African Americans were had a higher, pers- uh, they were more um, likely to die of a particular disease than their than their counterparts, um, their white counterparts or um, other groups, and that was shocking to me. I, I why like why, why would that be? You know, like, I really um, I mean that shows how naive and blind I was um, really. Uh, but I think that I, I'm hearing companies talk, they're really taking a stand, they're taking a leadership role. Uh, Boston Scientific um, is the one that comes to mind. They are really trying to fight against this. They've targeted specific cities for an ad campaign to address these issues and um, and talking to researchers, trying to get more um more uh, researchers and in- investigators uh, to enroll more patients, uh, people of color, in clinical trials, and having um, those clinical trials being led by investigators who are people of color, um, because then that, that that's just a natural way to get more, uh, to recruit more um, patients and a more diverse uh, patient base for clinical trials. Um, that research is it's imperative. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm frustrated that it's taken this long for, for the industry to really, um, say, what can we do about this? What can we do to close the gap in some of these areas? And it won't happen overnight. It won't even happen over a year, might not even happen over a decade all, all told, but, I think that it's a step in the right direction. I think we're finally kind of moving in that direction. And 2020 has really been a catalyst for that. So while COVID has been a huge catalyst for a lot of the innovations and changes that we're seeing and trends that we're seeing in the industry, I think we'd be uh, remiss not to acknowledge that um, the global Black Lives Matter movement has also um, been a catalyst. It's reassuring to see these discussions and um, definitely welcome progress. And um, I'm excited to see how the med tech industry responds with innovations and ideas. So thank you for bringing that up, Amanda. Um, Anything, Omar, you want to add in closing? I I just I, I think we're, you know, I think we're in transition you know, I, I don't think we're when I say we, I mean the, the med tech industry and diagnostics industry and healthcare as a whole. I think we're in, you know, in a transitory state. Um, we're not yet where we're going to be, but we aren't where we were uh, seven or eight months ago. And I don't think we'll go back. So I think the big thing going forward and, and just what I would close with is that this is an exciting time to be in healthcare. 
um, to be in med tech. We're seeing, of course, as Amanda mentioned, more diversity, and that's incredible. Um, as an African-American male, I can tell you it's incredible. Um, I, I've noticed um, the change over maybe the last um, two years. I've kind of seen things kind of move uh, along those lines. And so yeah, 2020 has really jump-started it, uh, jump-started those uh, conversations and, and really moved it forward a little bit more. Uh, but uh, I think we are in a position right now overall with medtech and healthcare that we are just on the verge of this awesome, awesome change. Don't know what it'll be yet. Um, you know, don't really have an idea or understanding of all it will encompass, but I just know it's going to be different. And we can see that with the efforts with telemedicine, uh, with with more consumer-based healthcare, with patients of really taking ownership of their, their health and really monitoring their own stats and having the technology that used to be only available in the doctor's office uh, to do that. You know, I, I went to the doctor a couple weeks ago, and which is always a scary time for me because uh, <laughs> I always worry. I'm like a hypochondriac worrying about if I have this, if I have that. Um, but I was able to get in and out in a reasonable amount of time, got there on time and was seen within minutes of coming in. And then I was able to see my results on a portal. I got emailed a link saying, hey, check out your results. This is what's going on. I could kind of see my stats and my vitals, you know, and I think that's amazing. And that's where we all, you know, all will be. But just on a, a on a, you know, more rapid uh, level coming uh, up in the future. So in closing, I would say the future is wide open. Uh, it's an opportunity for us to embrace it. We will get over COVID and, uh, you know, just looking forward to, to the days ahead. Yep. Um, and, and that's a great way, um, to wrap up our discussion. Um, and definitely all those changes and progress will be topics of our future podcast. So, um, definitely stay tuned for more. Um, before we go today, I just wanted to point out that entries are now being accepted for our Medical Design Excellence Awards program, um, which is MedTech's premier design competition. To enter the MDEAs, please do so by November 20th, and you get $50 off your entry submission. The final deadline for entries is January 15th. Details can be found at um, MDEA or mdeawards.com. And you'll be able to find that link on our website in case um, you need it. So thank you, Amanda and Omar, very much for joining me today. Sure, thank no you. problem. Look forward to it. Great. Um, and to our audience, stay tuned for our next Let's Talk MedTech chat. <laughs>